of souls with the gospel of sacraments. Uh, today it's called the church here, the fourth Sunday month is called Vitara. Vitara, let's all say Vitara. Vitara. It actually says rejoice, so maybe it means be glad. God means rejoice. Um, but it is kind of great for the blessings of God that gives us, not only for our bodies, but for our souls as well. I'm um, saint. You'll see that uh, reflected in the hymns and the lessons. In the holding hymn, TLH, the two animals together. Elspeed, the curvy one, TLH, which is the blue one in the blue there. But TLH 523,
Holy Spirit. Amen. Love in the Lord, let us draw the Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I would confess my transgressions unto the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. your grace, for the sake of our Lord Jesus, the most merciful God, who hath given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy on us and has given His only Son to die for us and for His sake forgives us all our sins. And those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. A portion of God's word which we consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused the evangelist John to write for our comfort and learning the gospel lesson read a few moments ago. And when Jesus saw that they intended to seize him and make him king, he withdrew from them to a mountain alone. Let us pray. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Jesus ran away from them when they wanted to make him king. He runs away from those who wanted to seize him and make him king. Why did they want to make him king? Because he fed their bellies. That's why. He performed a miracle of feeding 5,000 men besides women and children with five small loaves of bread and two little fish. They saw Jesus bypass sowing the seed, watering it, weeding it, harvesting it, milling it, baking it. Jesus skipped all of the work and simply gave them what their bodies needed. And for this, they wanted to make him king. And Jesus ran away from them. He does not want to be that kind of king. He led from there wanting to make him king because they didn't understand the kind of kingdom he came to usher in and rule over. Paul explains it for us in Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the king who brings righteousness, peace, and joy with his Holy Spirit. And those who do not want righteousness, peace, and joy from him aren't in his kingdom. Now, God provides for all of our needs of the body. We in America right now, at least for now, have more goods and services available to us than any previous generation that we know of. God has richly provided for us. He gives daily bread and for the support and needs of the body to everyone, even without our prayer, even to all evil people. He makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God wants us to work for our daily bread. He uses our labor, but he can make bread rain from heaven, as he did for the Israelites when he gave them manna. He can feed Elijah with ravens, bringing him meat and bread. He can make one jar of oil and one bit of flour, feed the widow of Zarephath and her son with Elijah for many days in the midst of a famine. God can feed a hundred men with just two small dinner rolls, as he did through Elisha. Every day, God makes the sun shine and the rain fall throughout the earth. He gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. He gives food to his creation. He makes the trees to grow and give their fruit, the herb and vegetable sprout, and give food and medicine to the children of men. God is the creator of all things and preserver. He provides for all of our needs. He made us and he made the earth to sustain our bodies, but he is finally the only one who sustains us, feeds us, and provides for the needs of the body. We see this throughout the scriptures. A popular and favorite psalm among us is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. 
That is, God must be the one who creates, otherwise it will be torn down. We must look to him as the author of life and the preserver of it. Now, all these miracles in the Old Testament and in the New of Jesus, and, uh, of Jesus feeding people and giving them more than what their eyes could see and what their own labor uh, uh, pro uh, procured, <clears throat> all of these miracles are meant to turn our faith to Jesus <clears throat> and not to our work or our appetites. God wanted Israel to learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's why he fed them in the wilderness every single day. And they had to go out and gather, and it was just enough. That's all they needed. They had to trust in him and learn to trust in him that he would provide for them their daily bread. But they needed also to learn that they needed God's word more. They needed to live from every word that comes from the mouth of God. He wanted them to learn to expect their food from God without grumbling and worry. He wanted them to turn from worrying about their bodies to hunger and thirst for righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And so also, when the Feast of the Passover was at hand, Jesus teaches his disciples that he is the true bread of life come down from heaven by providing for all their earthly needs. He sees a crowd coming. And he tests his disciples, he tests Philip, how, where are we going to buy enough bread for all these people? He's like, well, let's look at the money. We don't have enough money. And Jesus says, and then Andrew comes along and says, we got this little bit, but what is this among so many? And Jesus performs a miracle and he tells him to distribute it. Now, I saw a movie one time when I was a kid of a movie about Jesus, and it had Jesus have these, the, the fish and the bread, and then the people are right here, and then he turns around, and then he turns back, and, and then it's, it's all full, like it was some magic trick, right? That's not how it was. They just kept handing it out. It was five loaves and two fish that lasted for everything. And then they gathered up 12 baskets of fragments afterwards. He simply multiplied the fish in the moment. He multiplied the bread in the moment. He showed that he is the one who provides for all of their needs of body and soul. Jesus is the only one who feeds anybody on earth. Only Jesus. That is what he is saying. He wanted to wake up faith in their hearts so that they look to him for something greater than bread that perishes. It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. If Jesus is able to feed your body, he is also able to feed your soul. If Jesus can skip the work that it normally takes for us to have food for our bodies, then Jesus can do all the work to feed our souls. And he does. It's hard to trust in God when we are in times of want and need. We don't naturally trust in God. It's not God's fault. It's not as if God created us to doubt him. It doesn't make sense for us not to trust in the one who made us when he is so generously and constantly has given us everything that we need. Our sin is the sin of doubt and unbelief. And it is the greatest sin because every sin comes from not trusting in God. It comes from looking and worrying about the earth rather than looking to heaven for everything that we need. When we don't trust in God, we don't draw near to him. We immediately begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. Or even worse, we would make Jesus into just a bread king. If Jesus kept feeding them bread, 
and were their king for as long as he lived on earth, then they would all die, just like the fathers ate manna in the wilderness and died. To put it simply, without faith, we want Jesus only to be a bread king and not the king who brings righteousness, peace, and joy by the Holy Spirit. Christians are children of promise, though. We are born from a promise. That is the seed that grows in our hearts. We become believers and remain believers through the promise God gives to forgive us our sins for Christ's sake. We are born again by water and the Spirit, made new by water and the Word, which is nothing else than God's promise to save us from our sins through Christ's death and resurrection. We are children of promise. We believe that the righteousness, the obedience that Jesus did and performed in our place as a man on earth, including all of his life of service to God and his neighbor, including all of his suffering and bloody sweat and agony on the cross, all of this amounts to salvation from sin and death. It is a righteousness that saves us so that we hope for it. We don't see it in our lives, but we believe it. There is a promise, and that promise is what saves us. It's what makes us children of God. Without that promise, we have no hope, and we will be left looking for bread kings, as we see throughout the world today. Things can happen in all sorts of countries, but man, once food gets scarce, things start to get real. Once gas gets really expensive, things start to get real, and all sorts of people have all sorts of solutions, you know? It's got to be free market capitalism, or it's got to be communism. No, not communism, please. A hundred million people dead in a hundred years, that's enough, okay? Stop trying it. It's not going to work this time. In any case, the point is, is that they want a bread king. They want somebody to equally distribute the wealth so that everybody has enough. What's enough? What is enough? Solomon writes, as hell and perdition are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. He who has much silver will never be satisfied with silver. He who has much gold will never be satisfied with gold. Our problem is not that we don't have enough. The problem is not the circumstance. The problem isn't that you need to change this or we need to get a new government in or whatever. It's not the problem. The problem is our flesh. The problem is our sin. We are not born according to the flesh. When Sarah, Abraham's wife, saw that she couldn't conceive, she wanted to help God fulfill his promise that in Abraham's seed all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so she knew how things worked. She gave Abraham Hagar, her handmaid, to bear him a child. She knew how the world works. She knew what needed to happen for a child to be born. She knew the law. She knew the flesh. She knew her flesh was dead, and so she couldn't believe that it could happen. But she wanted to believe God's promise, and so she tried to make the promise come true. And it kind of worked. Ishmael was born. A baby came. But Ishmael grew up to persecute Isaac, who was born from promise. Sarah was 90-some years old, barren. No hope of children. She laughed when God told Abraham that she would have a child. And God said, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. And God said, yes, you did. And then her laughter of cynicism became a laughter of joy. And God gave her a child when there was no means 
of understanding how it could have happened. It, is, it, was through the, it wasn't through Sarah doing something. It was through the promise. God's promises aren't fulfilled by our works. Sarah didn't make God fulfill his promise. Promise isn't fulfilled by you fulfilling the law. God fulfills his promises without our help. Just as God could feed the 5,000 with so little and without any work, so God can feed our souls without our doing anything, us being still and knowing who God is. It's when we think that we earn God's grace and, and favor and mercy that we are slaves. The opinion that we can give to God so that God has to give back to us is the opinion of Hagar, Ishmael's mother, the slave woman. Paul says there are two women, Hagar and Sarah, and they represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. She is in slavery. The covenant of Sinai is the Ten Commandments, the law. Do this and you will live. Love God. Love your neighbor. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Do this and you will live. It is the law that tells us what to do. But the law cannot give you what it promises unless you do it. And that leaves sinners in slavery. As Jesus says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. To imagine that Ishmael should be heir because, according to the law, he is the firstborn, is to forget that God promised Abraham an heir through Sarah. Isaac was born by means of a miracle, just as they were fed by means of a miracle in today's gospel lesson. Sarah was barren, too old to have children. Her womb was dried up. The way of women had passed with her. But God's promise is for the barren and fruitless, for those who cannot keep the law, who can't bring life out of themselves or see it in themselves. God does not make you his child or teach you to trust in him through what you do. Isaac is born because of his promise. And so we are born because of God's promise. And that is what we need to look to, to his promise. The son of the slave could not be an heir with the son of promise. Why not? When I was a kid, I always thought that was kind of mean to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. Because all the riches of God's kingdom, righteousness, and peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit do not come from slavish obedience to the law. The law coerces good works from us. This is what we learn in class, the, the, the three uses of the law. The first use is the curb. It's the curb of the law. It gets people to do things by threatening punishment or promising a reward. And so the reason people do things is either to avoid the consequences of something bad or to get the reward of something good. And so the motive is not, I am doing this because of who I am. The motive is to get something or to avoid something. It isn't done as a free child. It isn't done from a willing spirit. And so the law in commanding you to do things does not create free children, but children of slavery. The slave claims that because he has obeyed the letter of the law, because Ishmael was born first, therefore he should be rewarded. And the slave mocks the son of the free woman. But the son of the free woman knows that his life itself is a gift. All that belongs to him is a gift, and God gives it because he promises to. He lives because of the promise. But he seems weak compared to the law, because the way of the world is this. If you work harder, you'll get more money, or you'll get more power. 
and the person who does more should have more. And the person who was there first gets it first. And that's how the law works. And so when there's somebody who's relying only on the promise, that's unfair. It's offensive to our flesh and to the world that God freely gives to poor sinners more than what anybody could work for. Church is free. It doesn't matter if she is living under communism or in some despotic Islamic regime or if the government tries to close our churches down in the future, the church will always be free. Jerusalem above is the heavenly and holy Christian church. What we just confess, I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. And it consists of believers in the promise. They are the little lambs who hear the voice of their shepherd. God has raised us up from unbelief and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And this means that he has transferred us from the domain of darkness, from unbelief, from eking out our living and thinking that our works could possibly gain God's favor. He has transferred us out of that darkness and into the glorious kingdom of Christ where Jesus rules over us not with coercive laws, not with threats of punishment, but with promises, with his grace. Promises that he paid for, that he lived for and suffered for and died for. That he worked out to fulfill. Not Sarah, not you, not me. The promise is not true because of you. The promise is true because of who Jesus is and what he does for you. And so Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, has all the comfort that Jesus has given her. She has the promises. This is the gospel, the good news. And this is the consolation of her bosom, the comfort of her breasts. That is what she gives to the little babies who need the milk of the word. That's the milk that she nurses us with. It is the promise of forgiveness and mercy. It is the comfort that meets us when we find that we are poor and helpless sinners. That as Sarah was barren, so by ourselves, without the promise, we cannot bring forth life. But Jesus is the bridegroom of his heavenly church. He gives her all that he has so that we might have all the treasures of Christ's kingdom. He makes a barren woman give birth and makes her have more children than the woman who had a husband. He has compassion on poor sinners who can't see good in their souls. So Jesus left the crowds who wanted to make him king, and they followed him. They followed him. They said, we got to find this guy. And Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And so they asked him, all right, labor for the food that doesn't perish. What must we do to be working the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Do you see what Jesus says here? We need the bread that endures to eternal life. We think we need to work for it. But Jesus just gives it to us. And when the people ask what they need to do to work the works of God, Jesus reverses things. He says, it's God's work that you believe in Jesus. Think about that. It is God's work that you believe in Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. God creates faith in your heart through the promise of Christ. Jesus says, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What is this hunger and this thirst? Is he talking about your appetites? Is he talking about your desire to be successful in life? Is he talking about you having enough clothes or status or the best relationships? What kind of hunger is he talking about? He's talking about the hunger and thirst for righteousness. For those who do so will be filled and satisfied. He is talking about the hunger that arises in a soul that is famished. Because we can't provide enough for our own souls to live on. We can't provide the peace for our souls. Our works can't make up for our sins. And our sins are still there. We can't quench our parched tongue. We can't make the pain go away. We can't look inside without seeing a barren womb. We can't see our souls without seeing what we don't have. That we can't give ourselves enough that the world has nothing to offer us as far as life is concerned. Eating and drinking is believing in the kingdom of God. And what is it that we believe? We believe that our souls need to feed on Christ and Him alone in order to be freed from sin and guilt and shame and death. There is nothing else. Telling me that I am not that bad of a sinner is not the food that my soul needs. Telling yourself that you can work the works of God on your own is not what feeds your soul. Excusing ourselves, saying at least I'm not as bad as that guy over there, doesn't feed your soul. It doesn't give you what you need. It doesn't stop you from dying. It doesn't cleanse your conscience. It doesn't take guilt away or shame away. Delving into pleasures as if you're free doesn't satisfy your soul, but leaves you craving for more of what destroys you. <clears throat> we cannot make Jesus a bread king. He will run away from you. When all you want from Jesus is what this earth has to offer, he will withdraw himself and be alone. So many want Jesus for that. They just want Jesus to fix their lives. Give me more money. Give me a better job. Fix my marriage. These are secondary things. These are wonderful blessings. But that's daily bread. What you need at every moment, which the world distracts you from and your flesh doesn't believe, because your flesh is unbelieving. What you need at every moment is the bread of life. The bread that does not perish, which if you eat of it, you will never die. Because you will be forgiven. And you will be reconciled to God. And you will have everything your soul needs. Jesus refuses to end poverty and hunger on earth for everyone. You know? I just think this is an amazing thing. He has all power in heaven and earth. He can obviously just feed everybody at all times. And yet he feeds them and then runs away. He's not setting up an earthly government where everybody gets exactly what they need, like some communist utopia. He already gives everyone what they need for their bodies. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. No, Jesus says, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Therefore, look only to him for food for your soul. Do not look to me. Do not look to your spouse. Don't look to your parents. Don't look to some famous theologian. Look only to Jesus. Look away from the passions 
of your flesh that are never satisfied, but only hunger and thirst for more, uh, but only leads you to hunger and thirst for more of what does not save you from death. Look at him who gave his flesh for the life of the world. Trust in him to give you what your soul that has sinned and deserves to die needs. You need the bread of life, which if you eat, you will never die. You need the flesh that was obedient to the point of death on the cross when you were disobedient. You need the blood that Jesus shed in the place of poor sinners so that you might believe his promise that God does not count your sins against you if he counted them against your, his son in your place. That is why you can be glad. This is a joy that nobody can take from you. I explained in Bible class. I explained in Bible class this morning that the hymn we sang, Jesus' Priceless Treasure, is originally in the German, Jesu meine Freude, Jesus my joy. He is your joy because he satisfies your soul. He's Loretta's joy too. She just doesn't feel it right now. You know? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He runs away from the one who only wants bread that perishes from him. But he runs toward every sinner who knows that his own flesh is not enough, that he needs the comfort not of his own works, but of the mercy and grace of God in his Son, Jesus Christ. Under every trial, facing every sin, fighting every battle earth gives you, remember who you are. You are baptized into the faith that Abraham had. You are not who you are because you have fulfilled the promise. You are who you are because you have been born again by the promise. And this promise sustains you and will sustain you through suffering, through death. Listen to your mother, Sarah. Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Cast away any identity that sin has given you. It cannot define you because you are a child of God. And you are not a child of God because of anything you did, but because God found you when you were fatherless and made you his child and an heir with Christ of God himself. You inherit God. You inherit everything he is and everything that he has. So cast out the thought that you need more of what is earthly. Use this world's goods as you need to for love and to serve God. But don't expect God from that earth. The bread of heaven, or the bread that saves you is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread that comes from this earth. And look to your God in the flesh of the Son of Mary, the flesh of a man who tenderly feeds those who need food, but only to awaken faith in them that he can feed you with more. He feeds you with himself, who died and rose again, and so he will raise you up on the last day when you cling to him. He gives you the body that conquered death and the blood that still cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, to rejoice in him always, even when you don't feel it, to have that joy. I love that stanza that the, the women sang. Hopeful, cheerful, and undaunted, everywhere they appear who in Christ are planted. Maybe it doesn't seem that way, but that joy is still there even when you don't feel it. Just like the peace that you have with God, the peace is established outside of you. It's an objective reality. Even if you don't feel it in your hearts, it's there. Believe it, and you'll feel it. 
But don't think you don't have it because you don't feel it. You will laugh one day with Sarah to see that God's promise is true. Come to this supper this morning in repentance. Come with thanksgiving and joy. Come thanking God that he has mercy on sinners and feeds us with more than what earth can offer. He feeds you with himself. You eat God. You are sustained by him. He gives you the body that conquered death and the blood that still cleanses your conscience. And whoever eats this bread will not see death. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So come to church and be satisfied with what Jerusalem has to offer. Whoever eats what she has, has God in his heart, comforting and assuring you of the promise that he will neither leave nor forsake you, but will cleanse you, feed you, and guide you through the valley of, this valley of tears to himself in heaven. Amen. peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Jesus all people according to their name. Mighty and everlasting God, who art worthy to be held in reverence by all the children of men, we give thee most humble and hearty thanks for the innumerable blessings, both temporal and spiritual, which without any merit or worthiness on our part thou hast bestowed upon us. We praise thee especially that thou hast preserved unto us in their purity thy saving word and the holy sacraments of thy house. And we beseech thee, O Lord, to preserve and extend thy kingdom of grace, and to grant unto thy holy church throughout the world purity of doctrine and faithful pastors who shall preach thy word with power. And help all who hear rightly to understand and truly to believe it. Send forth laborers into thy harvest and open the door of faith unto all the heathen and unto the people of Israel. In mercy, remember the enemies of thy church, and grant them repentance unto life. Be thou the protector and defender of thy people in all time of tribulation and danger, and may we, in communion with thy church and in brotherly unity with all our fellow Christians, fight the good fight of faith, and in the end receive the salvation of our souls. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Bestow thy grace upon all the nations of the earth. <clears throat> we ask that you would grant peace to Russia and Ukraine. Especially do we entreat thee to bless our land and all its inhabitants and all who are in authority. Cause thy glory to dwell among us, that mercy and truth, righteousness and peace everywhere prevail. To this end we commend to thy care all our families and schools, and pray thee to make them nurseries of useful knowledge and Christian virtues, that they may bring forth the wholesome fruits of life. We give you great thanks for the babies born in this congregation in the past month, and that they may continue in the grace of their baptism to be protected in body and soul, to serve you and their neighbor. Lord, in thy mercy. Graciously defend us from all calamities by fire and water, from war and pestilence, from scarcity and famine. Protect and prosper everyone in his appropriate calling, and cause all useful arts to flourish among us. Be thou the God and Father of the widow and the fatherless children, the helper of the sick and the needy, the comforter of the forsaken best. Lord, in thy mercy. Accept, we beseech thee, our bodies and souls, our hearts and minds, our talents and powers, together with the offerings we bring before thee, which is our reasonable service. Lord, in thy mercy. Grant strength and comfort to Claire, who is mourning the death of her husband, Nick. Lord, in thy mercy. And as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work thou hast given us to do while it is day, before the night cometh when no man can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by thy power, and receive us into thine everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Jesus. 
Jesus Christ, my Lord, who on the tree of the cross did win salvation for mankind, that when death arose, thence life also might rise again, and that he who by a tree once overcame might likewise by a tree be overcome. Therefore, with the angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we, Lord, magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying,
Depart in peace.
precious blood of our Lord.
Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Let's turn it around. 